welcome to The Divine and I, an interview-style podcast hosted by me, Haley Shea. Each episode, I will host a new guest to explore the question, where do you see the divine in your everyday life? The hope for this podcast is to welcome and explore the mystery of the divine, be encouraged to deepen our understanding of the innermost self, and seek delight in the life gifted to us by the divine. Let's meet our guest today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Divine and I, Episode 2. Today, I have yet another friend, Katie Morales, and fellow classmate and fellow graduate as of recently. Katie also graduated uh, this past May, and she earned a Master's of Arts in Spiritual Formation, and she is also in the Spiritual Direction Program. So she just finished her training to become a Spiritual Director and will be beginning her certification year soon and so training to become a spiritual director and she is also a mother of a four-year-old and approaching 15 years of marriage and so this is Katie why don't you say hi to everyone hello everybody hello Haley thanks for having me yes excited to have you and will you go ahead and share with us your fun facts that you brought today Sure. Um, it was really hard to choose. Um, there's a lot of fun. Um, it was like a trip down memory lane, um, looking at some of the ideas, but I thought it would be fun to share my, uh, celeb crush first. I feel like it says a lot about me Yes. (laughs) when I grew up, I grew up, um, in the nineties. And so it was in the heat of the, um, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC rivalry, the war, I guess. <laughs> um, and I was definitely team Backstreet Boys. And I was like, so convinced that I was going to marry Brian Luttrell. He was mm-hmm. um, kind of like, I guess, the jock of the group, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was so into him. And I, I like wrote a letter to him that I never sent. But it was this whole thing where I was going to like encourage him in his like, spiritual life because um he had like written something in like one of the cd covers about like god and i was like oh my gosh he and i like have the same beliefs and blah 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 i was totally convinced i was gonna marry him even though he was like you know probably at that point 20 years older than me so weird um but i did not marry him um and did you have like a typical poster hanging up in your room i I don't know if I had a poster of him. I had like free posters I had gotten from yeah, some like okay. um like Christian bookstore like back in the day. It was <laughs> okay. like supposed to be for my youth room, but then I was like, I'll just put these in my room. Um and so I didn't like go buy posters. So I never actually had one, but I think I probably like looked at like the C D insert like a bajillion times. Like maybe like before bed and was like Dear Jesus, please take care of Brian. Oh, <laughs> uh, sort of a dork. Um, yeah, so that was my celeb crush. Um, my favorite book, I wanted to talk about my favorite book. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, it's Good Omens by uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. And um, it is just a very funny it's like British comedy about the apocalypse. Oh. Like the Antichrist has been born and there's a 
a demon named Crowley who's supposed to like make sure that like he completes you know Armageddon that he grows up and becomes what he's supposed to be um and then there's uh an angel named Aziraphale and they they have been on earth since the beginning and they actually kind of like humans and they don't really want the apocalypse to happen and so they kind of foil the whole thing it's really funny it's super smart like never a wasted word and then I could I can read it multiple times and I can listen to it on like audiobook the audiobook is phenomenal um so it's like one of those like things I could just turn on and just crack up while I'm like doing dishes or something like that so I feel like British comedy too is very specific very (laughs) does it also feel like satire in Mm -hmm. the way okay oh absolutely I love it (laughs) it's um it's very cheeky uh yeah very good stuff so yeah that's my favorite book right now and then um I don't know if this has a connection to sort of my travel plans um the book but Um, I am interested in kind of going to places that have a lot to do with maybe my, my history or like my family history. So a lot of my ancestors came over from, from England and Scotland. And so probably next year we're working on doing a trip over to Scotland, especially, and maybe we'll throw in some England there just to kind of like really see where my people came from and to maybe understand them a little bit more and and all those roots and everything so so we'll see we're gonna try to make it happen next year have you like do you have like a family tree like you know like where your family where they like resided in England yeah yeah I've done a little bit of that I got on you know ancestry DNA or whatever Uh and, and I have some cousins who are really really into it so they've done a lot of work in that um, so like my Scottish ancestors are from this area called Aberdeenshire mm-hmm. and, um, there's an author, uh, by the name of George MacDonald who he was from that area and my grandmother, it makes a lot of sense cause my grandmother was like obsessed with his books. She had so many of his books and I never knew why. Now I'm like, oh, because her people were from the same place as this guy. And, and then I think the the southern area of England probably like the Cornwall area um and I think I would love to know why they left and why they came over here Mm. when they did and I think actually a lot of them were probably Puritans and were probably escaping some form of persecution in England and then unfortunately came over here and probably were not very (laughs) admirable in the way that they treated the people who were already living um especially in the new england area so um yeah really interesting i would love to know their motives and also maybe if there's anything any history about them in the new england area and how they behaved or that's really neat that'll be so cool to be able to travel and do that are you going to be going with your family Mm -hmm. okay yeah we're like at that point um our son will be five so we'll Ah. see what traveling with a (laughs) five-year-old is like i'm hoping to get like like a travel van and just like camp around and um do it kind of like early fall so it's not super cold yet but also like all the crowds and the heat is gone but 
fun. Yeah. Okay. That seems so exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. So now I have the drink menu for mm-hmm. you. I told myself I was going to write this down right before we started. <laughs> I realized I didn't. So <laughs> let me make sure I remember uh, what the names are of these drinks. So first we have, it's a decaf coffee mm-hmm. option and it is a brown sugar decaf uh, kind of like shaken drink mm-hmm. so a little bit of a copycat from starbucks but i have my own like little twist to it okay. <laughs> so uh brown sugar and it's iced so iced brown sugar uh, with half and half coffee and then we have a and we're only doing mocktails mm-hmm. as i told okay we are recording in my church today so uh, i promise for those uh who are listening from church i am not <laughs> serving alcohol here so we are making mocktails instead uh one mocktail option is a kind of a twist on like a moscow mule so mm-hmm. it's a raspberry lime syrup and ginger beer mm-hmm. so raspberry lime a mule a mocktail mule and then and i do have the copper mug so if that makes a difference or at all (laughs) you can't have a mule without the copper mug and uh, then we have a like a cucumber mint lime uh, sparkling uh, soda beverage so anyway so those are the options i should have thought of clever names for these um, so <laughs> you'll get there <laughs> if you need a little more understanding of what these drinks are uh, <laughs> you let me know but do you want the our decaf coffee the raspberry mule or the cucumber lime oh wow i think i'll go for the raspberry mule the, the raspberry the mule okay me, yes so. i love it i love ginger beer any mocktails i think are best with ginger beer because mm-hmm. it gives i think like the most kind of effect that you're drinking I don't know, something, something special. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Perfect. And uh, I think I actually tasted or tried the decaf earlier, so I already had that. So <laughs> I I might try to make me that same that same drink. So we might be having the same drink today, the All raspberry right. mule. I uh, I do not even like cucumbers, so that's why I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to do this, but... I was like, I'll make it to see if you wanted a cucumber drink. But anyway, (laughs) okay, so we're going to go make the raspberry lime mocktail mules, and then we'll be right back for our main segment. Perfect. Weddings are changing, and couples are focused on spending time outside while they celebrate their love. When you start planning your special day, make sure it's photographed well and with someone who loves the outdoors. Jade is passionate about serving adventurous and laid-back couples through photography. Her work is colorful, full of fun and emotion. Though I am not married and have not booked a wedding with Jade, I have had the privilege of road tripping with her to Yosemite National Park. To this day, those are some of my favorite photos that remind me of such wonderful memories. She's able to capture so much beauty in a single photo. Jade Braid Photography has a special deal for the Divine and I listeners. If you book her for a couple session or wedding through jaderay.com, that is J-A-D-E-R-A-E dot com, which you can find in our show notes. Using code DIVINE20, that is capital D, divine, number 20, you will get 20% off your session. Do not miss out on this deal and book Jade now for your upcoming wedding or elopement. Hello and welcome back. We have our yummy beverages here with Cheers. us. Cheers. Cheers. Clink, clink. <laughs> 
All right. So to begin, Katie, where do you see the divine in your everyday life? I think I I look for the divine most in nature, in moments where where I can just kind of zone out and just be an observer like um like sitting at the beach just watching waves crash like I could do that for hours um same with like fire watching fire is kind of a a similar experience for me bird watching although I hesitate I'm not a birder like (laughs) I don't I don't feel like I qualify as a birder because I'm not like trying to figure out what kind of bird that is but just like watching them sort of like dance in the sky and um just having moments where I can just observe and watch life happen um that feels like a very divine experience for me um I think I I experience the divine um in in stories in like surprising stories um that you just don't expect to like all of a sudden you're having a spiritual experience reading a book you checked out at the library with your child is like a picture book and mm-hmm. I'm reading it and all of a sudden there's like tears going down my face and um because it speaks to something in me or watching a comedy show like my favorite ones right now is uh, Reservation Dogs on Hulu and it's about these four teens growing up in on a reservation in Oklahoma and it's funny and it's heartbreaking and it's so so spiritual it's just like things that surprise me that I think when I'm not looking for the sacred or the divine when it just pops up um, in stories and just in watching birds go by. Um, I think that's how I experience in, in the unexpected. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When God pops up, I don't know, to you in Mm -hmm. these moments, like how do you receive God? Is it through like a voice? Um, how do you hear God or what is, what does knowing the presence of God like feel like in your body for you? Yeah, it feels like a, sometimes it almost feels like an impact, like mm-hmm. in my chest or this feeling of like this downshift. Like maybe I'm, I'm going about my day, I'm enjoying something or I'm reading a book and then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> and it sort of is like, yeah shifting down in a car or um things kind of going in slow motion almost and it's just like this like pay attention Mm. to what's happening inside of you and savor this um yeah and kind of just sit with it so it's it's a slowing down it's a yeah really like kind of a slow motion thing and I almost like hear that sound in my my ears and so it's not like a voice saying like hello (laughs) it's like yeah Mm. interesting experience that's interesting i think it's interesting for us to like take 
notice and like awareness mm-hmm. of like like how we hear God mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then with that becoming more aware and attuned when we like continue to hear that or feel that I don't mm-hmm. know it's like it's just such a awe sort of like moment mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I know you talked about going to like the ocean or in nature mm-hmm. is there like a specific place that you like to go to that you know it just brings back memories and just Mm. you're automatically in God's presence, you know, when you go to that place. I think, and this doesn't happen very often, but anywhere I can see stars, Mm. um, I think that experience, especially if you're in a place where there aren't a lot of, there isn't a lot of ambient light and you can really see the stars. It feels like this undeniable, like, there is something there is someone out there there's this place is huge and we're so tiny Mm -hmm. and like it's just one of those things where I feel like I can't ignore a bigger picture or like everything else in life just sort of fades away all other thoughts um so yeah it doesn't happen very often but um I just think of experiences of backpacking when I was in high school And just like laying out in sleeping bags under the stars and just how beautiful that experience was, how sacred it was and how few people get to see that, you know, get to experience that. And um, yeah, I feel like I want to like plan camping trips just to (laughs) stargaze. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's something. Yeah. I love the metaphor of like stars in the sense, I mean, we both live in city. So Mm -hmm. outside our homes at night, we don't really get to see as many Mm -hmm. stars. And so to see the stars, you kind of have to like go away from like Mm -hmm. the busyness Mm -hmm. of just, you know, your day to day, like living. It's like, it requires you to kind of like escape and to like go on like retreat Mm -hmm. and so it's like that intentional like setting aside time and then you get to see these beautiful stars Mm -hmm. and kind of just that metaphor of us needing to you know at times in our own spiritual life needing to like retreat Mm -hmm. and to just like step away from the busyness and the I don't know all of the life in order to see like new beauty and be in awe again and Mm -hmm. be able to hear God's voice so I don't know when you talking about stars that's just like Mm -hmm. what always comes for me thinking of stars as well because um, they are very mesmerizing they're always there not just not always mm-hmm. be able to see them yeah yeah mm-hmm. especially in the northwest with and the north all the yeah. cloud yeah. cover yes we have. oh yes in clouds man i forgot yeah. <laughs> didn't think about that as well <laughs> um, so yeah. for texas i could see them a little bit more often mm. and i lived in the middle of nowhere too growing up mm-hmm. so i could see them so i was very lucky to be able to grow up in a place seeing stars mm-hmm. but i think now not living in that place I don't know, you mm-hmm. are more appreciative of it almost whenever right. you do get the chance. Yeah, to- and to have to be intentional about it. I like that, you know, you're you're talking about kind of like making a movement. To, like mm-hmm. you're coming with an expectation that you will experience something really grand and really beautiful. And yeah, so, I mean, I would be so sad to think that like if somebody lives in a place where they can see them all the time, do they get bored? Do mm-hmm. they get tired of them? Do they not yeah. care? Like, I would hate to become callous towards stars. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. So has your 
way of seeing God like changed over time? Yeah, definitely. Um, and especially like in the last couple years, last few years, um, definitely as a result of being in seminary kind of, um, bust that all wide open, just my ideas about who God is and just, you know, images that have collected in my mind, whether it was something that was told to me, like, this is who God is, this is who the divine is, or if it's just like cartoons, like, like, I love the Far Side comics. They're so weird. Mm -hmm. But like, every time God is depicted, it's definitely an old white man with a very flowy mm -hmm. beard. And, and, and that is silly, but it's still an image that I have because I'm, I feel like he kind of got that from, you know, like Michelangelo and the Sistine Chapel. Like there are these sort of templates that are in art that just end up kind of getting impressed upon my brain, whether those are accurate, quote unquote accurate, um, or not. And so I think I had to really look at that like in the face over the last couple of years and realize um, what effect that may have had on my, my relationship to the divine. Because if God is an old white man in the sky looking down upon us, um, sort of examining us or waiting for us to do something wrong, you know, then I... I may have sort of collected an idea that God is, um, you know, judgmental or that mm. it's a punitive relationship that, um, that they may be waiting to, um, see me do something wrong and then <laughs> either punish me or say a big, I told you so if, you know, something goes wrong in my life based on a decision I made or something. And so, I think whether anyone intentionally put that into my head or not, um, I think I definitely have had an idea that God is kind of maybe waiting for me to mess up. Um, and so I'm very grateful for the seminary experience, even though it sort of blew up everything that I thought I knew but then allowed me to sort of take apart some of those things that are really just there because it's somebody else's interpretation. It's, you know, Gary Larson's interpretation through Farside. It's Michelangelo's interpretation by his paintings. And, and those may have no ground whatsoever <laughs> to yeah. them. And so, but it's like, you don't really talk about that very much. Like, right. how, what do you think God is? And why do you think God is that way? And then I have to realize, like, it's because of a comic strip I like. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, geez. Um, but they get so ingrained in you. Mm -hmm. um, so I think now, you know, I'm kind of, I'm coming to this sort of point where I am saying, I don't really know a whole lot. I don't, I don't feel like 
I can say this is this is what I know about the divine. This is what the divine is or looks like or behaves. I don't feel like I know a lot of, you know, concrete things, but I think um, I'm becoming okay with this idea that like it's more of a mystery and that's, that's okay. And I can say, um, I don't know who you are. I don't know how, even like how you want to be addressed, but like, um, what I do know is that I would like to know who you are. And at some point, like through my journey, like keep having encounters that teach me more and, you know, um, I think grow me more as a, as a human. Um, and you know, like I used to, like if there's something that's come up for me that makes me feel stressful to me and I, I might normally be like, Oh God, help me with this. Or, Hey, this is going on. Please help. Please help. And instead of saying that, <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know who you are, but this is what's going on in my life. Just in case you want to know, <laughs> you know, and, and that has felt so much more honest than, than a lot of the prayers I think I've prayed mm. up until this point in my life. Just to, like, I don't know who you are, but I think, I think you made this place. I think you, you are involved in your creation. And if I'm part of your creation, you're involved in my life. And so this is what's up in my life. And, um, just thought you might want to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's wow. kind of an odd place to be. Right. And see that, I don't know, in that like image shift for you, mm-hmm. like you approach God differently now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. With less sort of, um, like, um, I don't want to say not, with less humility, but a less of a, like, I am approaching the King's quarters, you know, like this Mm. kind of like, I'm, I'm bowing as I enter in because like, I don't want to do anything wrong, but now it's like more like approaching with curiosity and with this sense of like, um, humility that, that I think that the creator of this whole thing would would care to have a relationship with his entire creation, including myself. Um, so that feels, still feels like humility, but not a kind of like, I don't want to say I ever groveled, but, you know, like I don't have to like, Right. Ask for permission to exactly. enter. Yeah. 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 It seemed like maybe like a lot of fear in there. Yeah. A little yeah. bit beforehand. So now maybe moving into more freedom or curiosity and I don't know, kind of living. It seems mm-hmm. like that you are just yeah. so open to being curious mm-hmm. to the mystery, mm-hmm. which I think is a good word. Mm -hmm. Or it seems like a good word for what you're explaining here about your relationship with the divine that like the aspect of like the mystery is like very, very prominent in, in your relationship with, 
with the divine. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. If you could, and I don't know if you have or not, like name like your image of, mm-hmm. of God. Do you have like a specific, like what, how do you typically refer to God? Mm-hmm. Right now, the thing that feels most honest for me is either creator or spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could also be because I didn't, I haven't used those terms historically. So they aren't loaded for me. Mm-hmm. They aren't like bogged down. I don't have to um, kind of like untangle them. Okay. From, yeah. You know, makes for sense. better or worse, my, my faith um, background, there wasn't a whole lot of emphasis on the spirit. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's like, you know, fair game. Now I can talk about the spirit. And um, my spiritual director and I, talked about that recently because she uses creator and um she does interchange mm-hmm. names from time to time but I did notice she had used creator more prominently and so I asked her about that and you know she kind of had a similar answer of just that like it feels like the most fitting like like God feels like very um there's so much like weight and baggage that can come with that mm. sometimes. It's also such a like short, <laughs> it's, it's very like, um, yeah, there's like a punctuation to it almost, um, that it brings like a force, um, just the, like yeah. the word itself. And, um, so it, it just doesn't feel like it encapsulates, mm-hmm. um, you know, who I think the divine is. Mm. And so, yeah, to say creator feels like, well, I mean, that's right now, that's what I feel like I know <laughs> is that this divine being created this mm. place. And, and, and I'm okay with that. Just saying like, you made this. And so there's a lot that comes with that, like the beauty and the pain and the, the wonder and the sort of like, wildness of nature and creation but then also these like you know beautiful tender little things that happen as you're watching like little Mm. little plants grow or like little animals like roly-polies we were playing with a roly-poly yesterday I was showing my son you know and these like bizarre little things that happen and so like like the creator who created that like has a sense of humor and is like always trying new things I feel like Mm. you know so yeah that just feels like a a better like container for yeah whoever it is (laughs) that connects really well with how Mm -hmm. you said that you where you see the divine out Mm -hmm. in in the creation and Mm -hmm. in nature so I see how those things very much or alike Mm -hmm. um kind of yeah I don't know which one came first for you but (laughs) right (laughs) um Yeah, so I know you kind of mentioned like seminary being a shift in your understanding of the divine. Is there anything there that you wanted to sort of talk about of what what seminary was like? Yeah, well, it's sort of funny because I never, well, I mean, I think a lot of people say this and probably said this at our graduation, like they never intended to go to seminary. Yeah. <laughs> and 
Who does? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I didn't even realize. It was so funny. Like, I didn't even realize until I was, like, going through my orientation program. Oh, I'm a seminarian. It it was such a weird, like, realization. Like, even though I was submitting an application to a seminary, I was just thinking, I'm just going to grad school. I'm just getting a master's in spiritual formation. Like, that's not seminary. Somehow that was, like, I don't know if I really thought, like, oh, women don't do that. Because I do know that there are women who go through seminary, and obviously, but somehow it felt like not something I was going to do. And that was just, just a block in my brain. And then to have, you know, I think the Dean was saying, welcome seminarians. And I was like, what? Who? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) So that it was like already, I was like, okay, well this is this, I'm, uh, I'm on a path to like have all my expectations Mm. sort of like shattered because I'm, I'm already starting off like, on the back foot and like what am I doing I'm in seminary okay um and so you know like I think probably my journey might not be incredibly unique in that you know I I know I've heard other people talk about like moments maybe in their like old testament classes where they really had to contend with a belief that they had held um maybe with no foundation, something about the Old Testament. Um, And for me, for whatever reason, it was like something about Moses writing the first five books of the Bible. Like I just really had it in my head that he literally took a pen to paper or papyrus, whatever, and like wrote them and somehow learning that that was not the case was like, Oh my gosh, what is going on? Do I not know anything? It was just such mm. a bizarre thing and and I did have these like major like ups and downs of going have I been lied to? But then yeah. like going wait, maybe this is also just me like like taking information as a young person and and like creating something Mm -hmm. creating an idea when maybe no one was really actually telling me that I just like yeah built up this idea and for fear of like asking a question that might sound stupid you know I was just like well I think this is how it went Mm -hmm. because I can't really even point to whether like somebody literally told me that Mm -hmm. or or any of the many other things that kind of came crashing down, especially in my first Old Testament class. And and it was, yeah, like that was kind of like the beginning of the end for me was like, oh, Moses didn't write these on his own. And what else have I believed or just taken for granted that isn't really the case? And certainly like, biblical scholars wouldn't say that that's the case um so yeah that was kind of that was the process that began and then and then at the same time I was taking a class um 
on spiritual formation, um, our awareness and identity class. And so that was incredibly helpful because as I'm having kind of all these like theological foundations, (laughs) like crumbling for me, I'm also learning about um, how that's totally normal for someone that as you grow and as you're going Mm -hmm. through a spiritual, it's sort of like, you know, there are developmental processes that we all go through as we're growing up just you know mentally then there's also kind of this like parallel like spiritual development we have to go to go through and that someone in their you know mid-30s oh that's right about when they start tearing down sort of like all these beliefs they've built up and finding what's really really legitimate really real or not and then and then building back up again. And so to know that I wasn't alone and mm-hmm. that like this is normal and this is a healthy development of a spiritual person was I wouldn't have survived. Like <laughs> I probably I might have just like left seminary and just been oh, like, yeah. This is too hard. I don't understand and and I just want to go back into my cocoon and mm-hmm. you know keep thinking the way that I've thought forever because that feels more comfortable. But having those two classes in tandem was very, very important for me. That class was so formative Mm -hmm. and for, for me for different reasons, but Mm -hmm. still Mm that, that class a lot for those who don't know this class. I didn't (laughs) mention this in the beginning. Oh my goodness. Uh, this course or this class is where Katie and I sort Mm -hmm. of, I guess that's where we met Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. identity and awareness, um, Mm -hmm. part one and part two courses. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot of what it sounds like learning Mm -hmm. your uh, self identity and learning more about your like innermost self, but Mm -hmm. also like growing in your awareness of like the presence of God in your life. So, um, there was like, like a small, but still like somewhat existing cycle, like psychology, yeah like ish Mm -hmm. element a lot of like i don't know we did some like personality tests like work within that Mm -hmm. course but that course does pair i think just like really well whenever you're going through Mm -hmm. seminary or just in life in general and you have so many questions and you just yeah i Mm -hmm. i don't know i think you explained it you know really well but yeah that was a very formative class i think to have in seminary and alongside you know yeah, David Benner's spirituality and the awakening self. Yes, was the lifeline. Yep, <laughs> for me. Yep. Are there any maybe spiritual practices that you hold that mm. help you stay connected to the divine? Um. Well, I kind of hate to say it, but I feel like contemplative prayer is really important. <laughs> you hate to say um, it. I kind of hate to say okay. it, just because. It, man it is work um quieting your mind and Mm -hmm. and maintaining silence and just making space um is you know time in your schedule whatever and not falling asleep while you're doing contemplative prayer is um Mm -hmm. that it's hard but it's also like I think it's one of those practices that just by doing it, you're constantly reminding yourself that the only thing that you have, I don't want to say to do as a human, is just to be. Like, mm. 
that that being is kind of the only thing that's required of us mm-hmm. and and so in a way that practice feels kind of like rebellion against like the madness the hustle you know the rat race of just like no I don't actually need to do anything I just need mm-hmm. to be and be present and to you know however many times it takes for you to just keep bringing yourself back to the presence of the divine like I mean I haven't been practicing it but um I'm just saying I know (laughs) that when I do it it's such a good practice for me um spiritual direction has been also a lifeline in some really um kind of like pivotal times of my life um the first time I encountered it was in college I went to uh, university in LA and um, Biola University and they had also an institute for spiritual formation and so they had trainees uh-huh. and I was an undergrad and I got the free spiritual direction from a trainee and um, that was really lovely and it's I don't know if I ever would have thought about spiritual direction like if if it hadn't been for that yeah. experience you know um, and then probably about 10 years later, I, seven or 10 years later, I, um, encountered, there was just a time in my life where, um, it was clear I needed someone to work through some things with. And, um, and I was living in a smaller, like college town in, in California. And I didn't know that many people, um, that I thought, probably knew what spiritual direction was and so I asked um the most hippie boho lady I knew who she's an artist and um and I I was like do you know someone who does spiritual direction and so then she pointed me toward this lovely woman who is also an artist and she like goes to Burning Man and like paints on people's faces while she asks for um, an image from creator for them. And she paints that on their faces and she is just phenomenal. And, um, yeah, that really helped get me through some like hard stuff and just process through, um, my, some of my like feelings with God about maybe abandonment or, um, just numerous things. There's a lot of tears, a lot of weeping in her living room. Um, but so, so good. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. helpful. Um, not everybody cries if, you know, people are listening and they're like, I don't want to cry in someone's living room. That's not always what spiritual direction is. It's just what it is for me sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, in the last year, I think lament has been really, really good for me to engage with, um, in one of the classes that, um, the restorative justice and shalom of God and reading the lament Psalms. And that has been helpful for like connecting with, um, with a God who can, can bear and can, um, 
receive our like anger and sadness and frustration those are so helpful to be able to go through the psalms of lament and to know that like you know if you're if you're someone who reads the bible reads you know the hebrew scriptures like this is divinely sanctioned like ranting you know like the fact that that is that is okay and it's welcome and it's even in like the sacred texts that like people are shaking their fists at god mm. that is so has been so helpful and so healthy for me to like realize all of the emotions are welcome mm. and um and necessary and that you even in some of them you see the arc of just rage into like then like a release and like mm. you know kind of like nonetheless you know I'm I'm trusting or I'm worshiping um so that's been really helpful in the last year to to embrace that yeah. that practice mm. um and then I don't know if this is technically a spiritual practice but diversifying like the voices that I'm listening to like okay. like different like hermeneutic lenses oh, so yeah. like maybe like engaging with um womanist hermeneutics on like interpreting the bible mm -hmm. from a like a black feminist lens um because I've probably only heard like one voice in my life and usually like a white male voice, like mm -hmm. preaching the scriptures and interpreting the scriptures. So diversifying like the different voices I'm hearing with regard to the sacred text has been incredibly helpful and opened me up to like new ways of understanding God and understanding maybe what it means to be the people of God mm -hmm. or um, what it means to worship the creator. So yeah, those are spiritual practices that either have been like really helpful recently or for a long time, or I begrudgingly say that yes. they're helpful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then just so in case people don't know the mm -hmm. word hermeneutic, do you mm -hmm. mind just, do you want to explain that? Do you, can you? <laughs> I know it's such a weird, it's a hard word to yes. a, a define, I can help you out, but I was going to let you. If you have an, uh, a, a definition at the top of your head, that's great. Easily, I think it can be interchanged with just the word like interpretation, mm -hmm. but I think it's much more of like how we in our own selves like mm -hmm. come to the Bible. And mm -hmm. um, it definitely takes a part of our like profile. Like who are we, mm -hmm. where have we been, and how is that influencing the way that we come to scripture? And more so, how is that influencing the way that we interpret scripture in the ways that we do? So I think it's interpretation with awareness of ourselves, mm -hmm. like within scripture. And I know the opposite word, or not the opposite word, but tag along word is exegesis. Right. And so briefly, I define exegesis as like the study of the Bible and then hermeneutics as like the interpretation nice. of the Bible. So anyways, just there's a little yeah. theology <laughs> lesson today bible lesson today <laughs> you have now been to seminary yep. yeah no I like that especially because like the ways that we come to the scripture like someone who comes from a different angle can reveal something about it that maybe we aren't seeing yeah. like 
you know, um, people who are coming from more like an oppressed um, people group can point out things in the New Testament that I am just completely blind to, to think about like being under Roman rule or like maybe this is why people were acting in this way in the New Testament because they were they were the oppressed people group and sometimes for those of us who are in more privileged groups it's harder to see that and then it's like all of a sudden you're like bing light bulb duh yeah <laughs> and then you're like oh well maybe that's what this means when they're yeah. saying this so yeah no that's a great mm-hmm. way to say it thank yeah. you Haley yeah <laughs> <laughs> no that is really great I love those like spiritual practices too mm-hmm. contemplative prayer lament and sort of biblical hermeneutics and mm-hmm, ways mm-hmm. making sure that you're learning from other voices other than just mm-hmm. your own and I consider that 100% a spiritual okay. practice <laughs> 100% um so last question mm-hmm. I know we've mentioned and touched on a little bit about spiritual direction and you've mm-hmm. kind of ta- talked to us about like your experience like being the directee mm-hmm. how has your experience of being a director like informed or influenced your relationship with the with the divine Mm. yeah that's a great question because sometimes I think you know in a session I might even be like oh right I'm supposed to be listening for the voice of the divine in Mm. this and (laughs) you know I'm like dirt um but I think the beauty of that is that that um a lot of times it has not very much to do with me and just so much to do with the person, the the directee um, who is coming to the session with an experience maybe that they are an expectation that they will experience the divine. And, and so sometimes I feel like that's really the key is like, what are they coming forward with? And I just get to witness and sometimes I might even be blind or deaf to what's happening. And that's okay because what's happening with them and the divine, that's that's the only thing that matters is that that they're having a connection and maybe like I get to open a door or I get to point something out, but it's really like we sometimes just get to sit and watch and and that's really beautiful and and it's teaching me a lot about the movement of the spirit and and how important that is and how the spirit goes at the spirit's pace mm. and there is no convincing there is no arguing there is just watching the spirit move as the spirit desires mm-hmm. and and I think that teaches me a lot about my own life is that um, I'm not going to like arrive at the right answer and like get it right. And then, then I can mm. move forward in my life. But like this life is this unfolding and, and, and that can really, <laughs> that's a really freeing thing to know. Like I don't have to like get it all right and then go out and live like, my life is teaching me things and the spirit is teaching me things through my experiences and, um, my failures and my successes and, and that that's all really good. Mm. So, 
yeah, I think it teaches me a lot about about pace and about patience yeah. and just yeah, being. Oh, I like that. And you brought up that earlier too. Mm-hmm. Meant to point it out, but yet the I don't know the divine wanting most of us is to like just mm. to be. Mm-hmm. And I think whenever you get to find a spiritual like formation like practice that really speaks to that and allows you to just like be with the spirit mm-hmm. and a lot of that is in spiritual direction that we get to just sort of be but also watch someone mm-hmm. like just be and so and watch the spirit just be you know so mm-hmm. anyways i appreciate you for bringing that up because mm-hmm. that is very very formative mm-hmm. to think about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just kidding. I guess this will be the last question. Just <laughs> if there's anything else that I didn't ask about that you wanted to to share with us today. Hmm. I think that just as I was kind of looking at my notes and thinking about um, my own identity and, and as we're talking about our mm. class awareness and identity and one of the main things that we did is kind of like really understand parts of our personality makeup and and something that was really helpful for me in that was you know we we delved into like the Myers-Briggs type indicator which Mm -hmm. is like you know how are you sort of just hardwired and then you know and then we went into Enneagram which is kind of like this is how you developed yourself based on certain things and I feel like that was so that has been so helpful for me to have a lot of grace for myself in knowing like, okay, I'm hardwired. These are some of these things mm-hmm. are things that like I had no control over. Like this is just how I came out. Um, I can develop and grow and, and, you know, like learn how to build some muscles in in those ways. But also like that could have had like a huge influence on how I, how I also like developed my my like Enneagram personality and and then like sort of my coping mechanisms and whatnot so um I think that that is just like really important um for people to like delve into like what is my makeup Mm -hmm. and and what are sort of my preferences for communication what is what are my coping mechanisms that I have built up for myself. And because, you know, whether we like it or not, that's, that's how that influences how we, um, we relate to the divine because it's a relationship, you know? (laughs) Um, and, and so like some things may work for people that don't work for other people. Like, like I'm trying to build in daily affirmations. Like I've never done that in my life. That is like not, I like I knew people did that, but it just sort of seemed like a funny like SNL sketch from like way back where a guy is like doing daily affirmations, but apparently it's a good thing, you know? And so then I was like, well, I always hear that like that mantra of like you're enough. And that has never resonated for me. I have always felt like I'm too much. Mm. (laughs) So like someone just being like, you're enough. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like I'm, I'm like over the top sometimes. And I feel like I'm too much. So like that kind of message doesn't ring true for me. So knowing 
what messages I need to hear, like what mm. that will help me to grow and develop oh. and to affirm myself, like finding that that can be found through, through tools like Myers-Briggs or Enneagram and, you know, not to like join the cult of Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, <laughs> but just to be like, you know, not that they're yeah. actually a cult, but, um, you don't have to go like whole hog, just like understand who you are and then like move forward out of that. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's just something that, that has been really helpful in my seminary, um, experience, but also just like moving forward out of that to be able to be um, kind and gentle to myself as I'm growing. Um, mm. yeah. We're going to take a little bit of a break and then we'll come back for our closing. Great. All right. Welcome back. So we are now in our closing segment and Katie is going to be sharing something with us today. So uh, I touched on this just a little bit that, um, you know, books and literature is really important to me. And that I think is um, one of the ways that I um, receive sort of like words from the divine. Um, Maybe I didn't talk about it that much, but um, that is what happens with me. Um, So one of my favorite series is um, the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. And, um, I have been contemplating a lot this passage from um, The Last Battle, which is probably not the most well-read of the uh, Chronicles, but it's kind of like the end of everything, um, the end of Narnia. And um, so people are sort of entering this this place uh, called Aslan's Country. And um, they are, it's essentially, I guess, kind of like heaven- and um they are gathering there and there is a man um his name is Emmeth who has showed up there and he is not sure why he's there and the reason he's confused is because um he was sort of in the realm of Narnia in that world or galaxy or however you want to describe it but um he was a Kalerman, I think is how they call it. And he served a god called Tash. And so I think in some ways this is C.S. Lewis, um, his version of sort of a, maybe a, a Muslim character. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the the flavor, I think, of the, the character that he's given him, um, that sort of world. And um, so... He is there, and he's wondering why is he there with um, Aslan and all of Aslan's followers. Um, and so he has an encounter with Aslan um, there after he's gone through this door, and now Narnia is disappearing. And he is talking to some of the other characters like um, Lucy and Edmund and Peter, and he tells them about encountering um the lion, Aslan, he says, So I went over much grass and many flowers and among all kinds of wholesome and delectable trees till lo, in a narrow place between two rocks, there came to meet me a great lion. The speed of him was like the ostrich and his size was an elephant's. 
His hair was like pure gold, and the brightness of his eyes like gold that is liquid in the furnace. He was more terrible than the flaming mountain of Ligor, and in beauty he surpassed all that is in the world, even as the rose in bloom surpasses the dust of the desert. Then I fell at his feet and thought, surely this is the hour of death, for the lion, who is worthy of all honor, will know that I have served Tash all my days and not him. Nevertheless, it is better to see the lion and die than to be the Tisrock of the world and live and not to have seen him. But the glorious one bent down his golden head and touched my forehead with his tongue and said, Son, thou art welcome. But I said, Alas, Lord, I am no son of thine, but the servant of Tash. He answered, Child, all the service thou hast done to Tash I count as service done to me. Then by reason of my great desire for wisdom and understanding, I overcame my fear and questioned the glorious one and said, Lord, is it then true, as the ape said, that thou and Tash are one? The lion growled so that the earth shook, but his wrath was not against me, and said, It is false, not because he and I are one, but because we are opposites. I take to me the services which thou hast done to him, for I and he are of such different kinds that no service which is vile can be done to me, and no, none which is not vile can be done to him. Therefore, if any man swear by Tash and keep his oath for the oath's sake, it is by me that he was, has truly sworn, though he know it not, and it is I who reward him. And if any man do a cruelty in my name, then thou, he says, though he says the name Aslan, it is Tash whom he serves, and by Tash his deed is accepted. Dost thou understand, child? I said, Lord, thou knowest how much I understand. But I said also, for the truth constrained me. Yes, I have been seeking Tash all my days. Beloved, said the glorious one, unless thy desire had been for me, thou wouldst not have sought so long and so truly, for all find what they truly seek. Then he breathed upon me and took away the trembling from my limbs and caused me to stand upon my feet. And after that, he said not much, but that we should meet again, and I must go further up and further in. Then he turned him about in a storm in a flurry of gold and was gone suddenly. And I've drawn a lot of comfort from this passage, just knowing that um, whatever letters and syllables we string together to refer to the divine, um, that may not be truly who who we see when you know when we pass away when all of this ends when we go to whatever's beyond this life um but what really matters is the character of who we're we're serving or or seeking after and so this this idea that like whether I get certain things right or not um if I'm pursuing and seeking love and beauty and goodness like that's really what matters um and so yeah and I think that like people who who practice other religions it will probably be the same for them you know it may not look the way that they that they believed or thought in this life but but they are also truly and earnestly seeking goodness and truth and beauty and um, 
so I've been I've been drawing a lot of comfort and encouragement from that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, love a little story time. Thank <laughs> 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 you for reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Katie, for mm-hmm. coming on uh, the podcast. It's been a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh, getting to chat, especially post-seminary. It's mm-hmm. nice just being able mm-hmm. to catch up and to, I don't know, kind of go through these things that we've mm-hmm. been just so on our brains the past couple mm-hmm. of years through seminary. So thank you for sharing with us um, mm-hmm. all that you did. It was really, really beautiful. And I'm just thankful that I got to host you here today. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me, yeah. Haley. It's been great. Yes. All right. Uh, Well, that's the end of The Divine and I, and we will see you back next week. Mm -hmm. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Divine and I. For more content and to stay updated, be sure to follow The Divine and I on Instagram and check out the website, thedivineandi.com. You can find these links listed in the show notes. If you would like to leave a donation to help fund this podcast, you may visit thedivineandi.com slash donation. See you next week.